Welcome to the Light Bears Institute podcast, where we seek to improve biblical literacy by discussing key storylines and themes in Scripture. Welcome back to our continuing Light Bears uh, biblical survey podcast. We're continuing the the New Testament piece. We're going to dive into the epistles of Romans and Galatians to help us do that. We have Fellowship's own Finley. Mm. And yes. uh, our own Andrew, yes. who, by the way, uh, are neighbors. Fun fact. Yes, we get to see each other frequently, more frequently in the summer. And uh, we share some chickens at yeah. the house. <laughs> so well. We ate some of those eggs this week. It was, we did had last who, night. Uh, just total honesty, who, who takes care of the chickens more? The Robinsons. Easily. <laughs> Particularly no my wife. <laughs> yes. Less, less uh, the Robinsons collectively and more of my wife, who... Loves her little farm. Yeah. Um, so Finley, uh, uh, pastor at Fellowship, uh, has been a good friend of Light Bears for, for a long time. Uh, has taught for us in Institute for, for many years. And so glad to have you. Thanks, man. Glad to be here. Um, and so, Andrew, give us, uh, give us a little insight. Why, I mean, we, we talk about this when we couple these books together. Why the coupling of, of Romans and Galatians? Why are they paired? Is there a similarity? What, what, what's going on there? Yeah, for the most part, as we as we built this New Testament survey, we looked at it chronologically. So rather than going in the exact order of the books of the New Testament, the way they appear in the table of contents, we, we look at it chronologically. And um and it appears from from the best we can tell that Galatians was one of the first written books, uh, first written epistles uh, of Paul, I should say. And so, um, so we wanted to start with that one uh, as we began to look at Paul's epistles. I know we did Thessalonians last week, but but kind of Galatians is an early one. And then we looked at thematically Galatians and Romans kind of deals with the same same topics. And so. Um, there's a chronological piece to it. There's also a topical piece where Galatians and Romans both talk about kind of the response of the believer to the law. And so it builds mm-hmm. off these ideas of um, Acts 15, the question of circumcision, circumcision, but really just this, okay, do believers have to become Jews to become believers? What is the relationship between the law and faith? Mm-hmm. Um, all of those sorts of topics are going to show up in both. And so that's why we went ahead and, and, and grouped them together. So I, and Finley, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Galatians often referred to as little Romans? Yeah, it, it definitely, as you, as you dive into both of those books and look at some of those themes, you see, you see some of those big kind of big picture ideas. And it's almost as if when Paul wrote Galatians in the beginning, it, it you know, you don't ever want to call the word of God a rough draft. <laughs> but uh, it, it it kind of almost was a little bit. Yeah. He kind of was forming some of his ideas, talking to an early church that he had spent some time with in Galatians. Um, he had some great love for these believers and was concerned because they had um, they'd wavered. They 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 were distancing themselves from what was the true gospel, and so he was giving some of his earliest arguments in that early epistle that he wrote to them. And then later, you could tell you know it was probably fifteen twenty years later that he wrote. That he wrote the book of Romans, and you could see some more fully formed ideas that were less specific because he was writing to a group of people that were he hadn't he hadn't fully met yet. He hadn't spent time with them. And so you get more of his kind of fully formed ideas of what the law, faith, righteousness, response, all of those things, yeah. how they work together. 
Yeah, and I've heard it said that, you know, it's almost like he's a little more heated in Galatians. And again, not in a sinful way, but like you see a lot of his passion in Galatians, whereas Romans is a, a little more um, theological treatise in a sense. It's a longer working out of some of these same ideas. And pastorally, he'd spent more time, like he, he you know, he had been with these people in this kind of Galatian region. It was a regional letter. And so he spent more time um, giving a personal kind of pastoral, you know, you get more emotion that's in there versus a, hey, I want to make sure that you understand these bigger things, which is more what Romans was was kind of geared towards, a little less personal. Talk, uh, uh, and love this in your outline, so talk a little bit how you structured that of, of uh, I know, obviously, you're a pastor, you're a pastoral, uh, but but even just your outline for, for us as light bearers, talk a little bit, what, what was your motivation in structuring it that way? I mean, on, on your outline, you, you put even this section called "Check This Out" with each section, and right. so kind of explain the explain your rationale in that structuring. Yeah, some some of it was some of it was just personal for me. Romans is probably my favorite book in all of Scripture, and so I just selfishly wanted to spend a little more time on it. Just some, <laughs> when you're the teacher and you got the microphone, you can That's do right. that. It's, and so yeah. it's like, hey, here's what I'm going to do, yeah. and so. Uh, we spent about we an may hour. Need to cut his mic time on this podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, timer, timer set. Yeah, exactly. We we spent we spent about an hour on Romans, just kind of covering the big ideas. And so the the way I kind of approached it was we, um, you know, we kind of had five sections um, that we talked about God's righteousness and condemnation. It's kind of one through three, and then God's righteousness and justification was kind of the middle of three through the end of five. And then God's righteousness of sanctification was six through eight. We did God's righteousness and sovereign choice was nine through 11. And then God's righteousness and new living was 12 to 16. And um, basically the, the structure was just trying to kind of follow those main themes. And so, hey, here's what's the main theme of each section and kind of the, the really big picture. Hey, you have to get this to understand what Paul is trying to say. And then went a little bit deeper in giving some explanation. And then I just, you know, at the end of each section, kind of my idea was, hey, check this out. If you're a follower of Jesus, here's some more of the heart. Here's some more of the emotions, the things that really should grip you um, personally. And then sometimes there are some ministry implications, some, hey, if you're a part of Light Bearers and you're learning, like, what are you going to do with this content? It's just, is is God's word just going to find its way kind of into your head? Or is it going to make its way all the way down to your heart and then out into your living and out into your ministry and stuff like that. So that was kind of, hey, here's the big pieces. And then here's kind of a, you know, kind of a, a heart piece to go yeah. along with each section. Yeah, you, I mean, it was just hearing you say that you, I mean, all these sections, kind of God's righteousness really listed as kind of this theme. And so you put, I know on your outline, one of the key verses is is Romans one sixteen as a key verse. So, I, I mean, Define d- define righteousness, and then why in Romans? You've touched on this a little bit, but what, why in Romans is that such a big uh, point? Yeah, sure. Um, we talked about righteousness or the, the righteousness of God, uh, simply meaning God always acts in accordance with what is right, and he himself is the standard of what is right. And so he's always going to act in a right or righteous way, and then per his uh, place as being God, as being creator, he, in fact, is the standard of what is right. And so, um, you know, when when Paul writes, 
know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, you know, for the power of God for salvation for anyone who believes, um, for the Jew first, for God's you know, righteousness was revealed from faith to faith. And so um, this idea of God's righteousness is really important because when you get into issues of, you know, what is sin? Well, sin only matters because you've got something to, you know, weigh it or compare it against. Um, when it comes to condemnation, how, how can someone be condemned for, for the unrighteousness? Well, it's because God is the standard. When it comes to faith, when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to redemption, when it comes to God's desire to um, uh, deal with different people in different eras, different times, like that's God's right. And, you know, God is righteous. So, you know, he himself is always going to act right or righteously especially when we start talking about justice and he's both the just and justifier in Romans three. Um, and he's the standard. He gets to set the, um, the ways in which his creation is going to interact with him from that point forward. Yeah. So do you think that's, do you think that's hard for us to hear as Americans? I mean, this God sets the standard. I mean, we're just so individualized. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, we, you know, we've been raised in the Western idea of, you know, personal individualization, then you have uh, freedoms that come with that. The, the only, the only wrong is to encroach upon someone else's individual freedom. And so you, you are basically erasing the whole script. You're deleting everything that the whiteboard is being completely reset. And you're starting with God as the center of gravity and his righteousness around which everything else has to now orbit. And we just naturally put ourselves at the center because that's what sinful, selfish people do. And so Romans is going, Hey, ah, hate to break it to you, but you're not the center, which we know kind of intuitively, but we don't ever act in that way. And so God as the center of gravity reorients us. And then we can't just take our individual world and stuff it into that. You have to completely start over. And it is hard to hear, but I think um, that's why Paul spends all the time that he does reminding us of God's righteousness. And for me personally, it, you know, I knew this to be true growing up, but when I was in college and started studying Romans, you know, is one of those light bulb moments where you just kind of have this awakening going, that's why everything hasn't worked. That's why everything seems to be off. It's because I've tried to place myself as the central point of my own story, and it just doesn't work. You've got to put God there mm-hmm. instead. Talk, um, I mean, you mentioned this, and, and you, you talked um, when, at our institute class, that this idea of God being both uh, just and the justifier. Uh, you, uh, you said a quote, which, which uh, I loved, but, but you said it's, it's understandable that, that God's just, uh, it's miraculous that he's the justifier. Um, but, but that was good. I'm glad I said yeah, that. Yeah, it was great. I, I wrote remember it down. that. I wrote it and I underlined it. That's <laughs> really great. Yeah. Um, great. But, but I mean, talk on, I mean, just the, the, this idea of just justify you, you mentioned that in righteousness. I mean, is that, I mean, you mentioned your story, is that a personal thing or is, is that as you read this, I mean, this idea of man, he's just in the justifier. How, how does that tie in with, with the righteousness piece? Yeah, um, I think it's something that that I you know you read you read a, you read God's word and every time you kind of seemingly find something new or fresh or 
we never fully understood it. I remember one of my seminary professors spent some time on this, and it really kind of opened my eyes to the the significant difference of Christianity as compared to all other religions in this regard, and that um, you know we we understand you know if you've if you've got this you know if if you are coming at it from a religious standpoint that that there is this higher being that there's this outside power and you know the the, the regular you know false religions would say that that god is just that that justice needs to happen that there is um um rights that need to be or wrongs that need to be made right penalties that need to be paid and so um we get that God is just, but the Christian um, perspective, the Christian belief is going to be that God not only says, yes, I am just, but I am going to take part in the, in the justification of what has taken place. And, you know, the, the secular world will say there's, there's no need for justice and because there, there's 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 no wrongs that have been committed, so you have this idea of God's righteousness. Uh, it brings about this need for justification because people are living as condemned. People are living as you know people who have been you know made unrighteous before a righteous God, and so now He's going to enter into the story and say, "Yes, justification has to happen," but I'm going to be the one who actually makes it happen. So, um, yeah, it is, is understandable and miraculous. Yes, very true. Okay, I get to ask a question now. Yep. You mentioned uh, two, you know, a couple, couple key verses. You know, I've heard it said, in Romans, there's these big therefores, the 5-1, therefore we have peace with God. You mentioned 8-1, therefore there's no condemnation, and 12-1, Therefore, in view of God's mercy, let us live a life worthy, you know, mm-hmm. okay? Um, pick one of those two and talk about it. Why do you love it? Why does it seem so significant in Romans? So either 8-1 or 12-1. Man, when I was younger, it would have been 12-1 because I think that was, in my younger years, more helpful. I, I think um, currently, probably it would be 8-1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And just, you know, I think, I think me personally, I think the older I've gotten, the more aware of my own sin I've become, the more um, unholy, unrighteous, unworthy, you just, the, the more you look at God, the more you see who he is, the more aware I am of my own failures to come upon a verse like 8-1, you know, for all the ways that I failed and have fallen and screwed up, you not only take your teenage years, you take your college years, you take your early adulthood. I'm, you know, I got teenagers now just kind of going like personally when I find myself, you know, failing in the words that I choose to say, my attitude, thoughts, actions, you can come back to eight one. There's therefore now no condemnation, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that is just a, um, it, it's an, it's a, it's an unworthy place, which is the reason that 12.1 comes later, talks about worship, offer yourself. I think when I was younger, that was more of a, 
this is what I'm supposed to do. Uh, this is, I'm supposed to do this now. Um, 12, one, which is true. Um, but it's, it's completely because of the response, um, that you have to eight, one, that there's no condemnation that, that is, um, almost impossible to, to overstate because of how powerful it is. So that's good. I love that. Um, going back to your outline, you, um, uh, I thought this was great. Just being applicable and, uh, giving these to the students, but you mentioned the Romans road. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what is the Romans road? Is, is that, I mean, some Andrew would ask, but is that overused? <laughs> but explain a little bit of, of Romans road. Um, what's your rationale? I mean, wanting to teach that? you and I are from an age that if you grew up in the church culture in the eighties and nineties, this, I mean, I literally have a pencil with the Romans road engraved on it, right. you know? And so this was just, this was just part of the way people grew up in Southern church culture evangelically 25 years ago, 35 years ago. So put it, you know, what's your, what's the place for it now? What's the value of it? What is it? You know, right. all that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, we, we spent some time, you know, in class working through what, you know, Paul's arguments in Romans are. And then I just wanted to say, hey, this, these are some these are some kind of unique things that you can kind of pull out. You know, if you are in, uh, you know, if you're in this kind of mentoring discipleship season, like, hey, here are some things that you need to know that you need to some some call them tools in your toolbox, call them skills that you have. So um, this this Romans Road idea was it, it's just a a way to articulate the gospel. It's not the only way. It was a helpful way. It was a functional way to take one book and some major themes and kind of work through what Paul's argument is. And so, um, you and know, it nicely apparently fits on a pencil. Apparently so. Yeah. Yes. I don't. I never had the pencil. I don't think they sold those at the book fair. Maybe you got it in like Awanas or someplace like that. I'm not I probably sure. had to memorize the Romans road yeah, first. That's, that's my good. Guess. That's good. Then you won yourself a pencil. Congratulations. Um, now, I mean, the, you know, the Romans Road um, kind of generally follows, you know, linearly, linearly uh, through uh, the book of Romans, you know, talks about the problem. There's no one righteous, no, not even one. The consequences, um, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life. The solution, um, Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. When we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, you have this, you know, opportunity for faith. He talks about, kind of gives this summary in Romans ten: believe in your heart, you know, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you will be saved. And then finally, this response that he sees um, in Romans eight: you know, neither death nor life, angels nor demons, nothing height depth will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ. And so, you know, it's a road just because you are, you know, kind of clicking along. You know, you start at the beginning and quarter, you know, quarter mile, half mile, you know, all the way along, you're kind of progressing in your thought. And Paul's making this argument about who God is, who man is, what the consequences are, um, what the response is uh, by faith, and then kind of that life of, of, of worship. So just a, a helpful, um, a helpful way to articulate the gospel for someone who um, wants to take the kind of way through Romans and show it that way. Yeah. And I think you make a good point that, you know, I mean, whether or not we use the term Romans road, I mean, just these to have kind of some tools in the toolbox, I mean, just things to anchor ourselves on. We've kind of uh, 
you know, we've gone away from anything formal. And so we've kind of lost the ability to say, hey, here's here's some grounding. Um, I mean, there's no catechism of sorts anymore that's yeah. widespread. And so whereas 500 years ago, kids who grew up in the faith knew lots and lots of theology and doctrine. Now there's not as much there. And so just to, we, we can't assume that college students or other people have a base level of here's what the gospel is with clarity. And so I think to give them that is really valuable. And I think, I think any, I mean, anytime you're teaching and reteaching, teaching and reteaching, you need something that has the appropriate balance of both just the the weightiness of, of the truth, but also is it simple enough? Is it repeatable? Is it something that is clear? And so I think having this kind of line through Romans to me has been helpful. Um, some of those key verses that that have been a part of my life. So, um, yeah. So that's Romans. That's all there is to be said. We've all of it. everything, all of it. We've crushed it. We've totally crushed it. Um, so now move on to Galatians. Uh, you, I mean, you, you mentioned this uh, uh, at the beginning of the podcast, but um, he spent more time with the Galatians. It seems a little more of a personal feel. So in, in, I mean, shifting to Galatians, what is Paul's personal appeal in the letter? Explain that a little bit for us. Yeah, he, um, Paul spent some time at the beginning of Galatians, uh, basically kind of talking about his story, his relationship with the Galatians, and, and, and also just the, 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 the personal way in which um, God's story intersects our story in the gospel. That was kind of the kind of the idea of this kind of opening part of Galatians that, you know, God's story intersects our story in in the gospel. And so Paul is going to spend some time uh with the Galatians, kind of pleading with them. And, you know, Paul has obviously spent a lot of time with them. And so, you know, I I, I kind of uh I kind of saw, you know, these three three, three gospel tendencies that Paul talked about, how, you know, he kind of said, you can desert the gospel, you know, you you can have known of it, and now you've just kind of forgotten it, or you've left it. Um, it says, or sometimes you take the gospel, and you spin it, and it's different, and you begin to not um, speak the, 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 the full truth. Uh, you might leave some pieces out, you might add to it, or finally says, "Hey, I can't believe that you're also, you know, distorting the gospel." Um, some people in some eras and sometimes, want, you know, tried to add to the gospel. I think currently in our culture, we try to make the gospel more palatable, easier. We kind of distort it. It's like, no, it's, you know, it's it's fine. You know, God really isn't this kind of harsh. He's all loving, and so he kind of gives these warnings where he talks about uh, it's easy to find yourself deserting, speaking of a different or or distorting the gospel. And he's talking to them out of like, I cannot believe that you are so easily given to this. Um, I want you to believe as I do rightly and deeply about what is actually true. You mentioned that. I mean, it's obviously it's that pretty strong rebuke in Galatians 1. And then is it chapter 2 when there's kind of even even Peter, even Cephas of this getting right. away from this. I mean, just uh, this tendency as uh, as humans to kind of get away from that, and even a uh, 
a calling out of Peter. <laughs> yeah. After he calls out the Galatians. Right. Um, so you, 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 you talked about um, two contrasts, kind of law and faith, mm-hmm. and then spirit and slavery. Uh, pick, pick one of those two and, and talk a little bit more about that for a minute. Sure. Um, I, I think, you know, probably like I was saying before, just where I am, you know, personally, just that idea of slavery is one of those realities that because of our kind of individual, you know, given our, our, we're given over so easily towards our individual wants and desires, we don't feel as if we are slaves. Um, But I think that it's only when we force ourselves to consider that we truly are a slave to sin, do we have the appropriate response that a slave who has embraced their freedom would have? You know, a slave doesn't return back into those same restraints or restrictions that they had before, but they, a slave rejoices because they've been set free. And I would much rather live and teach and parent from a place of um, rejoicing rather than like white knuckling. I'm a white knuckler by nature. Like that's how I was kind of raised and that's kind of my internal makeup. And so I have to kind of go all the other direction and even know that my, my, my given tendency is to try to gut it out myself but he's saying, like, you know, if you're enslaved, like you are, you are bound. I've come that you might be set free, and so now you get to walk in this freedom. You get to walk in the spirit, is how he describes it in Galatians over and over and over again. Um, you get to rejoice that you've both been set free, and you now have this um, new life that is yours. You now have this ability to be um, close and connected with God. And you don't have to walk back in to this old life that you once, you know, had. You now have this new life of freedom. And he spends a lot of times in Romans and in Galatians both talking about the significance of the freedom that believers have. And particularly in Galatians, he's talking about the freedom from the need to add to the gospel. I don't think that we do that as much today. I don't think that we necessarily try to add to the gospel as often, but we also don't embrace the the slavery that we were in. And so we also get it wrong in a different way. Um, we don't think that we were actually in that position. Okay, last question. Yep. Uh, let's imagine that we brought Paul into this podcast. Alive. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> good, good. Good clarification <laughs> Thank there, you. Brett. Um, you get one question. What do you get to ask Paul? You're you're now in the interview receipt. <laughs> and you had the freedom to address him as Paul or Saul. Paul or Saul, both. I would ask him, there's so many things you could ask him. I think first thing that comes to mind was just because this is things that I care about or things that I find fascinating or interesting. What, you know, what was it like for you? Or what were you trying to do every time that you left a place in which you had planted a church and left someone else in charge? You, you, you walk away, you know, you walk away from all of these different churches that you have been instrumental in converting these people and setting up, 
you know, church and pastoral leadership, just me being a pastor as we send a lot of people into different areas of kind of leadership and ministry and influence, what emotions were you feeling and and what was your kind of strategy for leaving those people knowing that they were now going to be entrusted with what you had kind of started? So it's a utilitarian question yeah. on my part of like, hey, how do I do this, yeah. man? So I've got all kinds of personal questions yeah. It would require more than one. It would require yeah. a coffee and a little yeah. more story swapping. A, f- a follow-up coffee, maybe? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a Turkish coffee, perhaps. Sure. Um, but I, I think that's really good. And and part of that, I mean, think about it. I mean, Jesus appeared to Paul, and Paul is then planting a church and leaving it to people who Jesus didn't appear to, who they're not an apostle. And so, I mean, there's an incredible faith that happens there for Paul because he's walking away knowing no one here has seen Jesus, and but they're all the Spirit. And so I have to trust that the Spirit's the one over this church, not my message and not Jesus' appearance to me. Yeah, I have to trust that the Spirit is working. And then, oh, by the way, we get our whole New Testament because they screwed it up. And so <laughs> yeah. we, we, he was okay with that, I guess. And that's why we have the whole New Testament, because he's talking about, hey, by the way, this and this and this and this, let's, uh, let's have a correction of errors here and some revisioning of what needs to happen. So, yeah. It's good. It's good. Well, uh, thanks, man. Thanks for coming. Absolutely. And uh, we'll talk again soon. You're a great neighbor. Thanks, neighbor. <laughs> Appreciate it. You've been listening to the Light Bears Institute podcast, a production of Light Bears Ministries. For more information, visit lightbears.com. Mm-hmm.